At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Okay, before we get rolling, there are nine qualified Major League Baseball players with an OPS over 1,000. Aram Layton, name them. Oh, geez. I was not ready for that. <laughs> uh, well, got to be Ty France. Ty France is fourth. He's got a 1,095 OPS. Jazz Chisholm. Jazz Chisholm, yes. Jesus Sanchez. No, not Ooh, Jesus just missed Sanchez. It. Doesn't walk enough. Doesn't walk enough. Yep. Um... Byron Buxton. Byron Buxton does not. Maybe after today's game, as we're recording this on a Sunday, he's nope. got to be. Nope, that's even no. updated. And, and the thing is, 469 feet, it's updated. I'm on the research portal. As of right now, Byron Buxton does not have an OPS north of 1,000. Um, and you don't get bonus points for a 469-foot bomb. No, no, that does not contribute to OPS. Um, Machado? Machado is just outside. He's got a 988. So you got two uh, of the nine. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, obvious one. Very obvious one would be the other third baseman, Nolan Arenado. Correct. Arenado is the league leader in OPS. Um, Seiya Suzuki. Seiya Suzuki is two. You got four. So who am I missing? All right, wait, how many am I missing? You're missing three, six, seven, eight, nine. Three, six, seven, eight, nine. I'll give it a couple quick guesses and then we'll, 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 uh, We'll see if the, I wonder if how many listeners right now are like already have a bunch. I'm yeah. sure there's fans of different teams are like, how are you missing this guy? Because it's their screaming team. Screaming one of them at you right now. Screaming one of them at me. Yes. It's some of the, some of these questions are so obvious that you overthink it and you're like, oh, okay, I just, I just totally forgot this yeah. player. But it's also so early that there's some really good players struggling. There's some really not great players doing great. Uh, it's definitely not Luke Voigt, right? No, it's not Voigt. <laughs> He's actually on the IL. We're going to talk a little bit about who's Correct. coming up. Correct. Who's coming up to help them. Uh, hopefully, he'll have a 1,000 OPS. Um, Wander Franco. Did Wander I say Wander Franco him? has a 999 OPS. He oh, my count. God. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Um, just give me a couple. Um, one of them was one of the three batting leaders on the same team. One of the three batting leaders. What, like what do you mean in the early goings, there were three guys on the same team that were like one, two, and three in the batting average department. Best offensive start to the season. Oh, Owen Miller. No, Owen Miller <laughs> is not in a thousand OPS guy. Oh, it's Lindor. Insane. Lindor. Lindor. No, Lindor is not. Lindor what? fell out. He's got a 984 OPS. Uh, see, this is Owen why this Miller's is so hard. Teammate. Owen Miller's. Oh, Jose Ramirez. Yeah, J Ram is three. That that was who was screaming at you. All right, for the for the sake of the show, I'm gonna just rattle off the rest. Tommy of Edmond. Tommy Edmond. No, I just looked at him today. Just outside. Tommy oh. Edmund breaking right now. Um, you got Arenado and Seiya Suzuki. I just gave you Jose Ramirez. You got Ty France and Jazz Chisholm. The other four: Vladdy, Matt Olson, Connor Joe, and JP Crawford. J.P. Crawford. J.P. Could have given Crawford. me 50 guesses. The other guys Crawford. I would have got. The other guys I would have got. J.P., you could have given me 100 guesses. I don't think I would have got it. Through 16 games, J.P. Crawford is hitting 346 with a 1047 OPS. Oh, my. I mean, he got his bag, and uh, he's still raking. Love to see it. And defensively, obviously, he's he's a plus there. 
I mean, this Mariners team, you know, like we're, we're going to go kind of across the league, but this Mariners team is, is starting to look like they could, they could kind of put it all together. They might have the ingredients. 100%. By the way, happy Monday, everybody. Just baseball show. Today is Monday, April 25th. I'm Jack McMullen. He's Arm Layton, who got, uh, what, five of the nine? Yeah, yeah, I could have done yeah. that. Five of the nine. Um, Miguel Cabrera has 3,000 hits. And we talked about it a little bit at the end of last week. We talked about it on the Friday episode. He got his 3,000th hit on Saturday. Uh, how cool was that? It was a single the other way. Yeah, you know, like that's kind of... That's just like well, the great part about that is exactly what we were talking about on the last episode, right? How my how my late father used to use uh, Miggy as a teaching lesson to teach me to stop trying to go pull side on everything and put it over the 200 foot fence down the line in Little League. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, Miggy, all these years later, is is still shooting the ball the other way, taking what's given to him. It was wide open. I don't know why you would ever shift Miggy. Uh, he can put it wherever he wants, and that's how you get to 3,000, right? No one, no pull hitter. Like extreme pole hitter, I don't think he's ever going to have 3,000 hits. You got to use the whole field. And Miggy, I, I just think it was such a perfect 3,000, a base hit the other way, just taking what the defense gives him. He's always been that guy. Uh, but, oh, yeah, by the way, he also hits 500-plus home runs. And now right. he's in a group of, what, three players uh, with, with certain statistical thresholds. Isn't it him, Pujols, and uh, is it is it Bonds? Is it Willie Mays? Willie Mays. Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron. It was Hank Aaron. It was Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron. Yeah. I mean, it, it was it, one makes me feel old, even though we're not old. I mean, we're 24, 25, but it didn't it was crazy to say, hey, I've watched this guy his entire career and yeah. he accumulated 3000 hits. Um, heartbreaking that, you know, he's going to go into the Hall of Fame with the Detroit Tigers hat on, uh, yeah. given that I, I grew up watching him as a Florida Marlin. But you know what? I'm just happy this guy's going to the Hall of Fame. You see the postgame speech where you know, he's talking about the fans at the ballpark and how they gave him a good ball game, and hopefully they'll come back, and hopefully they will come back because the Tigers, are they might not compete this year. I've made that clear uh, that I don't feel like they're going to compete this year, but you know what? They're fun to watch, and there's a lot of really fun young players and a guy that's on his way to the Hall of Fame. Yes, absolutely. A guy whose massive contract is going to come off the books and they can you know help supplement, so it'll be – Addition by subtraction, but that subtraction is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Respectfully, yes. Respectfully, Respectfully addition, by, addition subtraction. by subtraction. 319 so far this year, though. Now, how about that? Miggy's all the way back. Better than pool holes. <laughs> 377 on base, 362 slugging. Yeah, way better than Albert. Yeah, yeah Albert's kind of right there, too. <laughs> is he? Yeah, Albert's kind of raking, too, and he's got two homers. We're going to bounce around the league, but before we do that, young talent is on display in minor league baseball. And again, it will shift your attention over to the call-up this week. Um, we're going to be rolling through the top 100 prospects. That entire list with detailed write-ups is up and out on JustBaseball.com, but you can hear Arm and I go through that list 20 at a time um, on the call-up. So you should do that, but a lot of these top 100 guys are having exceptional starts to the year. I, you just mentioned yeah. that you got some young talent coming through for Detroit in Indy. I just watched O'Neill Cruz hit a 430 foot walk-off bomb for his first homer of the year that left the bat at like 112. I also saw Rowancy Contreras throw. He just got optioned right back down after being a bullpen guy. I think they want to stretch him out. He went three and a third. He threw, I want to say 60 pitches the fastball and the breaking ball and how they complement each other is electric. There were some that read 93, 94 and the pop of the glove made me think that's the heaviest 94 I've ever seen. So that's exactly, that's exactly right. So it's funny because that when I did the Contreras write up and unfortunately he, he graduates from our list because one of the funny little things that we have in terms of, of parameters is I just think if, if you've been up and down several times, I just don't want to rank you anymore. Yeah. Um, and so we talked about that. And I know that was something that uh, even though he doesn't hit the 50 inning threshold, he's been up and down now on multiple occasions. He would have been in the, in the 35 to 40 range in our top 100 Yeah, high spin fastball that just, you talk about speed, but then there's plate speed. His, his fastball is, it just sustains velo. It cuts through the air. It's high spin. It, it is a harder, mid nineties, then you'll see. And he touches 98 on frequent occasions yes. when he's feeling good. I'm sure he was more trying to pace himself. I don't know what the weather was like today in Indy. It was beautiful. Uh, 
It was beautiful. You know, I, I think he's a guy that's trying to pace himself, stretch himself out a little bit more because he was high effort earlier on. But, dude, the stuff is crazy. And the Pirates, you know, you can see the pieces coming together here, and, and you've got a lot of future pieces for the Pirates in front of you in Omaha right now, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it, no, it's really cool. And Indy, Omaha's Kansas City, man. Oh, Come Indy, 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 my fault. No, man, you got the Sunday scaries just like me. There we I go. do have the um, Sunday scaries. Yeah, big time. Uh, but you have a 9 p.m. dinner. What are you doing eating at 9 p.m.? That that's so European of you. I know. And it's really, and I'm not, I don't, I didn't go abroad. I didn't yeah. do that. Um, so I don't have that culture. It didn't change you? Asperger in the city. Didn't change your life? Uh, oh, no, no, I didn't get to change my life, unfortunately. That's why I'm a bland, boring dude. Yeah. But no, me too. That's why we podcast about baseball. Correct. And that's why we didn't, we couldn't go abroad, yes. right? Um, is we had to broadcast and, and go to broadcast school uh, or journalism school. Yeah. But Al Cheval, best burger in, in New York and Chicago, I mm-hmm. think. And that's I only could only get a 9 p.m. res on a Sunday. So I figured I don't want to watch the end of the heat game anyways. I'm yeah. sure Trey Young's going to rip my heart out somehow. Yeah. Uh, so why don't I just eat a really tasty burger instead? Yeah, Bulls Bucks was pretty easy for me today. Um, but midway through the third quarter, I could I could opt out of that game. Correct. So Correct. that was exciting. Uh, speaking of opting out, Ben Simmons. But this is a baseball podcast again. Younger guys as well. We've got um, some call-ups coming. We saw, uh, what, Yandy Diaz go to the IL. Vidal Brujan just got uh, <laughs> called back up to Tampa from Durham. But uh, the big one, Voight to the IL with a bicep issue. Camposano to the show. Camposano is hitting, I want to say, 360 in El yeah. Paso. And we know that the Pacific Coast League is, is a hitter's league. It is one that, you know, the, the ball flies like it's in zero gravity. But Camposano, he was still hitting 360. Um, what do you think of Camposano? How is he going to factor into the lineup on a day-by-day basis? It, it's funny because, you know, I, I have no idea what their plan is. But I was just on the Locked on Padres podcast with our, our friend Javi Reyes, who does a great job over there. And he was kind of asking me some similar questions. And the way I look at it is this, and and I know I've always been really hard on Jorge Alfaro, and this is not to like continue to push the Alfaro narrative, but look, Alfaro gives you power and a lot of strikeouts. To me, Camposano right now, worst case is giving you that. But I actually believe in Camposano uh, as a, as a all around catcher. And also as a guy that can hit enough, like the power is undeniable. He's, he's already shown us 114, 115 mile per hour exit velos, which would be in the top 3% in the game at the highest level. Uh, but what I really like is, is I actually believe in the bat to ball and I believe in the approach overall. It's not, he's never going to be a guy that's going to have a, a strikeout rate in the teens, but I think he can keep it well under 30. And I think the quality of contact is going to be great. And what I've seen from him in the early going this year is a much more simple approach, a much quieter setup a much more repeatable setup. And we're seeing that continue to show itself in consistent numbers. He was called up too quickly to the major leagues when the Padres were in a pinch. And Wait, I think that really were doing, they were doing that with, with Marcano took Marcano made his way up when, when, uh, and he's in double a now. Yeah. Like th- there's no point. There was no rhyme or reason to what the Padres were doing with weathers, with Patino, with Marcano and with Camposano. And they're doing it with Abrams now. Yes. Uh, Abrams, I love him, shouldn't be up there right now. He's, he's looked great with the glove, but the, just the bat's not there yet. Camposano's ready now. You know, he, he went back to AAA last year, put up a phenomenal season over, you know, three, 400 plate appearances, and he's yep. been great out of the gate here. I think he could get some DH run. And it, maybe don't worry about the catching so much, Luis. Get in the DH role, run into some baseballs. He could give them 20-plus home runs if he gets enough ABs. I, I really think that this guy has a lot of offensive upside and he's only 23. Don't let a bad debut when he wasn't ready affect or impact the long-term outlook that you should have on him. Because I think he could be a legitimately impacts bat. And we also got to remember that he's not filling the roster spot of a catcher. He's filling the roster spot of a first baseman DH. Correct. So how often is he going to be used behind the plate? Yeah. You know, that's the question. Alfaro is a guy that is not great back there. I don't know if he's been better this year. You know, I have, I'll be honest. I haven't watched, but knowing through the last several years tabs I, on Jorge Alfaro. No, you know, I think once, once he was gone, it was, that was it. You know, I turned the page after Rip having to cover in. him for a, for a while with the Marlins when I was hosting locked on Marlins. Uh, like I think Camposano could give you a better glove back there, but you know what? Now you have a third catcher, which you, it was always great. If every team could, they would, they would carry three catchers. Yes. They would love yes. to, uh, but the, the focus is now he can focus more on the offensive side of things. And 
you know what? He's not going to be worse than Luke Voigtspin. I can tell you that right now for sure. Even if he struggles, he won't be worse than Luke Voigtspin. So I think he'll be a nice little uh, injection into that lineup. I really do. Yeah. You want to go through um, each of the divisions and just kind of handpick the headlines? A hundred percent. Because it's one of my favorite things to do. And and also like, I'm curious, I want feedback from, from the listeners too. If, if they like the way we do this, because I know the headlines are fun for you and I feel like we get into some really good conversations, fly around the league uh, and talk about the most relevant things. But right now I don't have access to my Twitter. So uh, I, I got locked out of it, but feel free to DM us and, you know, let us know what you like, what you don't like. And, you know, we're, we're always looking to adjust the way we do things, but I, I really do like the headlines and let's get into them. Yeah. And if you want to get in touch with Aram via Twitter, DM me and I will text Aram your DM and I'll say this guy really wanted to talk to you, but he opted to talk to me instead. Yes, because I locked myself out of my Twitter. Yeah. How did that happen? Um, I deleted the app because it was laggy and being weird. And then I redownloaded it and it signed me out. And then I went on my laptop and uh, clicked sign out. I don't know why I was one of the, cause I, I want, I thought I had the password saved and it wasn't say uh, it's a long story. I'm trying to recover it. It's a problem. I hope Twitter helps me. You couldn't do like a forgot your password thing. I did, but the past I did, but it was like, there's multiple numbers say are used multiple phone numbers with this account, blah, blah, blah. It, it didn't work. I'm, I'm trust me. I've tried everything. Did you tell them to kick rocks? Gross. I, they told me to kick rocks. Oh, gross. But you have a blue check. They should bow down to you. Hopefully. I'm hoping that that'll help me. I'm hoping that'll help me is the blue check. A hundred percent. The two teams in the American League with 10 plus wins are both in the AL East. The Yankees and the Blue Jays are both 10 and six. The Blue Jays and the Astros just finished up a three game set from heaven. Give me all of Blue Jays Astros. I couldn't get enough of that series and seeing the gamers go, seeing Manoa perform really well, and then seeing Brantley rip a, a, a Yusei Kikuchi cutter that was so bad. Like Brantley was a great mistake hitter on Sunday. Everything went well for both sides. Um, Houston took the series finale, but that was a great series. And then the Yankees clean sweep of the guardians. These two teams are firing on all cylinders right now. Absolutely. And, and just starting with, you know, the, what I've seen from the Astros, right? Like we were always, we were talking about Jeremy Pena from, from the get-go. And that was someone that I had been emphasizing on here early uh, in the off season as the guy that I really thought could, could handle shortstop and, you know, be the heir apparent to Carlos Correa. And I'll say this, he has exceeded every single expectation I had. And it's not even close so far. I know it's early. I know it's early, but it, it doesn't really matter. I, I'm not a guy that likes to jump on like on confirmation by a small sample size type thing. But Jeremy Pena showed us everything I think we need to know. I think he's going to have some ups and downs. Maybe the league adjusts to him and his offensive you know, production may be a bit more sporadic. But you know what won't be sporadic? The glove. And the yeah. glove has been phenomenal. Also, now we're seeing the power start to tick in a little bit. We're seeing him walk. He's not striking out that much. He's one of the leaders in baseball in war. Uh, Jeremy Pena is a superstar, or at least an all-star in the making, and I think potential superstar for yeah. this team. And I can't emphasize enough how much he helps them because, you know, that was the big question with the Astros. Everything else was fine. They got that Verlander guy back. The pitching yeah. continues to get better as it's a lot of guys that are, you know, maturing. Luis Garcia is young. Valdez is young. They're getting better and better before our eyes. With tons of control. There is so much team control in that pitching staff right now. Would, would it be crazy to say the Astros are the team to beat in, in the AL? Um. Yes, because I think Toronto is still better. That's fair. That's fair. And I think this series, that was going to be my other thing. My other question is this series very well could be a, a preview of, of, of the, the ALCS. ALCS. I think it is. And we look at the, at the Jays, right? So what do the Jays kind of have that, that maybe sets them apart from the Astros ever so slightly? Offensive numbers, depth offensively, one through nine. They are so exciting. I, I think that's fair. And, and honestly, on the pitching side, I love I love what the Astros have going on. But I might have a little bit more confidence in just the five-man rotation that the Blue Jays are wielding out there. I just don't think that there's a lot of weakness. Was it Thursday or Friday that Gosman just dealt? I think it was Thursday that Gosman yeah. dealt against the Red Sox at Fenway. And, and people were worried about a regression, right? Like, 
so far, 18 and two thirds innings, he hasn't walked a single batter and he's striking out 30% of batters. There we go. Uh, I don't think we got to worry about regression. Oh, but what about the expected stats or the FIP 0.73 FIP? So XFIP 1.84, he's fine. Um, that leading off with him and then Manoa seeming to take that jump. We talked about Framber Valdez looking like one of the best quote unquote, like twos or yep. developing into one of the better twos in the game. Alec Manoa is right there for me. Oh, I, yeah. I actually, I'm still taking Manoa over Framber yes. uh, and that might be crazy. I have no problem with, with somebody saying the other, I, there's no wrong answer, but my point is these teams are very similar. I don't think it's that crazy because I think they're very different pitchers. I think what they do on the mound is very different. And I understand that they're, you know, heavy set arms. Okay. But Framber is belt and below get you to ground the ball like all the time, like ground outs galore. That's what Framber Valdez lives off of. He lives off of an athletic defense, which is why Jeremy Pena is going to be such a big deal while Framber Valdez is in Houston. Um, with Manoa, it's more of the modern age pitcher where he is high spin fastball, pumping velo by you, nasty breaking stuff. He's going to go strike out 12 on his best day. Absolutely. Uh, and that's what I love is, is he can single handedly just just win you a ball game and carve. And, and yes. I think he, he's like a no hitter candidate. I know yes, anyone's a no hitter candidate because Alec Mills threw one. But well, he's a hey, no hitter. Uh, Philip Umber. We just hit the like 10 year in, or 12 year anniversary of Philip Umber's perfect game a couple of days ago. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, there you go. There you go. But I mean, also, Matt Chapman has been really good. Looks like he's recapturing his form. Honestly, yeah. my biggest concern with the Jays team right now is is just how much value, so to speak, are you getting out of Boba Shett? Defense yeah. is a little bit, a little bit shaky as it has been. Guys haven't walked yet this year. I think Bichette's going to be fine, but you know they're, they're, you're giving up a little bit at that position, which I don't think anybody really thought would have been a thing. Uh, and Jose Barrios is only going to get better and better as he gets you know settled back in. But it's been a rough start for him. And Springer's been awesome too. Oh yeah. Um, so we're good on that front. How concerned are you with Boston? Their offense is not producing whatsoever. They're hitting 225 as a team. They're bottom 10 in OPS. They're bottom four in OBP. They're not walking. They're striking out a good bit. They're not athletic on the bases. They have two stolen bases all year, and they're not hitting home runs to the severity and to the sheer number that we expect Boston to reach. Look, look man, I, the way I've always kind of felt about this team going into the year, I'll admit it. They, they proved me wrong last year, right? Like they proved me wrong and I could see how that team kind of put it together, but going into this year, they didn't really satisfy any of the questions that they had, any of the holes that they had. And I think we're really seeing them on the forefront this year. Not only are, are they deficient in a lot of the areas that you, you pointed out, I mean, they're not walking, uh, which again, really hurts you when you're inconsistent offensively. And we saw the Rays really take advantage of that. And you live via home run. Yeah. You have and, to and, get on base. And I mean, like too many at bats right now are going to Jackie Bradley Jr. And, you know, some of these guys that just are not going to hit, like they're proven not going to hit. And then Trevor Story has not looked great. Uh, he's been giving you some some good defense up the middle, you know, at second base for the most part. But I, I don't love it. There's a lot of questions. And it's not like they're the best defensive team in the world, especially on the infield. Story helps a little bit. Uh, but there's a lot of questions and we haven't even gotten to pitching yet. We don't even know how they're going to piece it together pitching wise because we don't know what the deal is with Chris Sale. I'm absolutely worried about the Red Sox and uh, extremely talented, but I think Garrett Whitlock's going to start to have a lot more responsibility thrown his way. I will say I do like what I've seen from Tanner Houck so far. Isn't it nerve wracking, though, to have Whitlock have more responsibilities thrown his way? Yeah, um, but honestly, he's he's been great. And and that's that's really one of their better arms. I, I think they got to stretch him out more. And that's crazy to say, but I think they got to stretch him out more. Yeah. Uh, the White Sox have lost seven in a row. And Eloy Jimenez just joined, you know, Yoan Moncada, Luis Robert, Lance Lynn, Garrett Crochet. Like, this team is battered already. And the whole idea from White Sox fans was, we're healthy this year. Let's go. This can't happen. 2021 can't happen again, injury-wise. And here we go. It's happening again. Giolito looked fine. Michael Kopech is surprisingly solid as a starter and Cease looks great. He got roughed up his last time out, but overall he looks like he's taking the next step. Um, but Eloy Jimenez going down for two months and Tony LaRusso being the most inept manager on the face of the earth Ooh. runners on second and third bottom of the 10th inning Byron Buxton up three, one count 
Tell Liam Hendricks to throw a ball. Instead, it's a dick shot fastball that has hit 469 feet, which is the longest home run since StatCast started tracking. I don't understand. I think anybody that watches baseball on a weekly basis would know to walk Byron Buxton at that time. But this manager has not been a help through the entirety of 2021. He's only been a hindrance. And in 2022, he has put them in positions to fail time and time again. And here you are with the health concerns. I am slamming the panic button on the White Sox. I'm with you. Um, no, and it's funny because this is a team that I would have been extremely patient with in terms of struggles, but it's just been, it's been so many things from so many different angles and, and so many different departments where they are really struggling. Um, some of it out of their control, some of it in their control. I will say that the Larusa thing is also what really dims the outlook for me. I still think that they're going to take the division and I, they got to be the team to beat in that division. They're still extremely talented. But what I've said all along is if things aren't going well, a lot of other teams have the fallback of, okay, we can go make a trade. The Yankees can go make a trade anytime they want. Their farm system's great. The Dodgers can go make a trade if they need to. But you look at at what the White Sox have farm system-wise. What do they have? They can't. They can't really, they can't make a trade. On the positive side, Michael Kopech, I was really inspired by that last outing by him. I think he's really turning into a pitcher. He was a thrower. Now he looks like more of a pitcher. He's operating more in the mid-90s. That's more than enough velo with the, with the shape of his fastball. And he has been really good uh, at just being a complete pitcher and his feel for his secondaries. But when we talk about the managing, we talk about the pitching. I mean, you cannot be starting Vince Velasquez every fifth day. It, just, it just cannot be happening. You're basically putting – you're starting the game for zip when you are starting some of these guys that they're rolling out there on a daily basis, it's just a disaster for me. And until they figure out how to build out some depth without having to give up major assets, because they don't have them. I don't see how you can survive with Dallas Keuchel, Jimmy Lambert and Vince Velasquez. How many times we have to talk about these guys, but they're, they're almost an automatic loss. Can you play the world's smallest violin for me for a moment? Because I had to sit through on Saturday, Dylan Bundy versus Vince Velasquez. Yeah. I've no, I know you have had to do that in recent years with oh. Marlins taking on a bad team, but like Dylan Bundy and Vince Velasquez in late April of 2022, what are we doing? That's not an MLB matchup. That's a triple A matchup. Yeah. And I mean, again, like you're, this is a really good team. That's just giving away games. I, and I saw it with the Marlins last year, not a good team, but good rotation that was decimated by injury. Um, and that was supposed to be the strength. And then now three out of five days or two out of five days, you're wheeling out guys that are non-competitive. Yeah. And no matter how good your mainstays are, Cease, Kopech, and Giolito, let's say they even get it going and they're dominant, those three guys. If you're not winning those three games every single time, you're in big trouble because the other starts are going to be tough to try to win those games. And the odds are stacked against you. And I think we're seeing it big time. The offense, I still think will be fine, even with the inconsistency. but do you man? Do you, do you trust Tony Larusa no. to be able to manage this no. staff? Because this is where you really need to maximize and squeeze every bit out of your staff that you can. And I just don't know if if he can do that. So it, it, there's going to need to be some moves made for the White Sox, and I don't necessarily know how they can make them. And even then, if you do make moves, I, Rick Hahn's going to make them if they are available. Rick Hahn is one of the brightest minds in baseball's front offices. Um, he will make them. My question is, he gives Tony LaRusso all the right tools, and yet he still plays Adam Hazley all the time. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. It was Nick Williams last year. We saw it last year with Nick Williams. This guy played all the time. There was no reason for Nick Williams to play all the time. So Rick Hahn is going to give Tony LaRusso the best possible roster he can, and I still think Tony LaRusso is going to try and fail. Uh, and it's funny. I think the real way to do it at this point is to, to take on a bad contract. Uh, and, and it's going to have to be, now you're going to have to go, if you're Rick Hahn, you got to go talk to, to ownership and say, hey, you okay going over the luxury tax? Are you okay getting close to that? I don't know exactly where the White Sox are at. Jerry Reinsdorf's going to say no. He's going to say no. But that's the only way, right? Like go out and maybe get a Will Myers. And that doesn't really move the needle. But I'm just saying like go out and get somebody that is an undesirable contract but can help you and you don't have to give up an asset. Like, that's the only way I can really see them getting better. 
I, I'm definitely concerned about the White Sox, but I still think they'll be good enough. But again, last year they were good enough to make the playoffs. And then we saw what happened in the playoffs. I think it could be more of the same, except it's been a bit more of a disaster in the early going this year. Yeah, Buxton's on fire right now. The Twins have a half game lead over the Guardians. I know you were out on the Twins at first, or I don't want to say out. I'll say that you were underselling on Minnesota. You thought, you know what? They're not going to be as good as I think a lot of people think that they're going to be after the Correa and the Urshela and the Gary Sanchez ads. Um, Are you getting closer to being in on Minnesota? Is this the team? If the White Sox aren't going to win the division and this year goes to shit, is it Minnesota that's going to win? Look, I, I, I was always, I know I always felt excited about the future of Minnesota, right? Like, I think they're definitely heading in the right direction. Cantorino also looks like a nut job winning throw. Oh, he's nasty. He's Gross. nasty. Matt Cantorino is nasty. What I will say is, is what has really improved my outlook on the Twins is the pitching. Um, you know, Bailey Ober. No, I'm kidding. Starting with Joe Ryan. Joe Ryan has looked really good. Joe Ryan has looked really, really good. Um, and I think that's a, we said that from the get-go, huge X factor. Chris Archer has looked usable. Like the, yeah. like the White Sox could use Chris Archer. Right. Those are so, the kind of moves they need to make. While Velasquez and Keuchel are not usable, Chris Archer is usable. Usable. I know you talked about Dylan Bundy. He's been phenomenal through the first three starts. He's actually been arguably their most valuable starter. In 15 and a third innings, he's... Uh, almost walked nobody. I think he's walked two batters and he's striking out 21% of guys 0.59 ERA. He's been great. Uh, But you know, that's not a great rotation, but it's good enough. And if their offense can kick it in gear a little bit, they're in really good shape. But the problem is, you know, can Byron Buxton stay healthy? And that's the big question. And look, we had a little bit of a scare, not as bad as we thought. And now he's back and he's hitting home runs again. The big reason why I'm a little bit more optimistic is the pitching is better than we thought, or at least better than, than it was initially perceived to be and Carlos Correa is going to get going it's a matter of when not if and when Correa gets going and Buxton's healthy this is a very explosive offense yeah we already talked about Houston in that Houston Toronto matchup the AL West is going to be a doozy with the three at the top Houston is currently two games back in the division leader Seattle and then a game back of Seattle is LA so Seattle's nine and six the Angels are eight and seven let's start with the Mariners and then go to the Angels the Mariners you mentioned are as exciting an offense as we have in baseball right now, because Ty France is one of the best hitters in the game at the moment. JP Crawford out of nowhere is hitting 350 with an OPS North of a thousand. Um, and you've got the young bats. Kelnick still kind of struggling, although it's getting a little bit better. And then J rod. Yeah. And J rod's getting better too, a little bit. Um, and, and it's been kind of wild to see how he's been getting uh, hosed on, on a lot of calls. At first I thought it was kind of just fans being, you know, fans, but I, the more I look at it, I'm like, this guy's getting hosed on some tough calls. But you know, you look at the team, I mean, especially also what they're getting out of Adam Frazier. Uh, Adam Frazier looks like he's starting to, to feel it a little bit again and start to swing it for them. He's been swinging it a bit better. It's a balanced offense from top to bottom. And I think that's what really stands out to me is, you know, it, you don't know who's going to step up any given day. Uh, you, you got the Ty Francis of the world that are really swinging it, but you've got a bunch of different other guys that can help you. And then you look at the rotation. It's a fun rotation. Robbie Ray is not looking like he's going to repeat on the Cy Young, but Correct. he's good. Logan Gilbert has made a leap. He looks uh, great, dude. He has made a leap. Matt Brash is going to continue to get better and is good in the early going. You know, he's got to got to work on the command, but he'll continue to get better in that regard. And, you know, they've got a bunch of other pitching prospects that could come up and help them this year in the bullpen, man. I can't emphasize enough. Andres Munoz is probably the best setup man in the game. Yeah. Uh, he's just insane. Diego Castillo, Andres Munoz, and Drew Steckenrider at the back end of your bullpen is, is as good as it gets. Uh, and they've got so much offensive depth. And oh, by the way, they've got Kyle Lewis coming back at some point. Um, so it can't be worse for Kelnick and Julio. If it somehow is, those ABs can go to Kyle Lewis and he could presumably help you as well. This team is deep one to nine offensively. The pitching continues to get better and they've got reinforcements and assets to go get. I am bullish on the Mariners. Yeah, um, I'm bullish on the Angels, I'd say, because Mike Trout, he doesn't qualify for the league leaders right now. He's only played 12 games, but the guy has an OPS north of 1,100. He's hitting 317 so far. Trout rolls out of bed and has 1,000 OPS. That's who he is. 
The other offensive pieces are pretty underwhelming at the moment. Shohei Otani's hitting like 212, I want to say, and he's swinging and missing a lot. You're a seeing lot. a lot of bad swings from Shohei Otani, but Adele has been fine. Jared Walsh has been fine. Rendon has been subpar. Nobody is really bringing the boom. The complementary pieces are what's doing them wonders right now. Tyler Wade, Matt Duffy, Andrew Velasquez, they all don't suck, which is massive for them. You were expecting all the guys who were supposed to kind of suck to kind of suck. And the guys that were supposed to kind of suck for the LA Angels are being contributing members to a big league ball team. And and I'll say Brandon Marsh. uh, Did you mention Brandon Marsh? No. He's been phenomenal. Brandon Marsh has been the guy that made that leap too. Um, and, and, you know, I really felt that Brandon Marsh was one of the underrated players in the game and they needed that table setter because you know what Trout can do. You know what the, the rest of that lineup can do. Anthony Rendon has been frustratingly bad and now it's starting to get to the point where it's, is he going to get back to that form? It's a little concerning, but to have Marsh doing what he's doing, 306, 400, 556 slash line. And oh, by the way, he's going to give you plus defense. He'll probably be a gold glove finalist. Uh, in the corner, or at least could be in the consideration for that. And then we talked about it on, on recent episodes. We have not seen a pitching duo at the top of the rotation for the angels this good in, in a decade. Plus Shohei Otani and Noah Syndergaard are as good of a starting pitching duo as we have seen for this team in basically the Mike Trout era, since they had that, that one team that won 90, whatever games, right? Like this is a special, special squad uh, compared to any other team they've had in the past. And I think it's going to get better. Like, I, I think they're going to continue to feel it out. And Perry Manassian's not going to stand pat. When you have Mike Trout and the pressure that is, is felt there, Perry Manassian's going to look to make some moves. Not a great farm system, but they can find a way to make some deals happen. Hey, for tomorrow's episode, we're actually going to repackage um, an interview that you did on the call-up. And one of those midseason moves could just be a call-up from AAA Salt Lake, and that's Michael Stefanik. Whenever there is an opening in the infield, Stefanik could come up and rake. He's one of the best hitters in minor league baseball right now. You just had him on the call up last week. uh, And we are going to give you that interview on the Just Baseball show tomorrow because it's probably the best prospect interview you will ever hear because this guy's story is unheard of. It's it's the craziest story I've ever heard. And I very rarely I'll call you and be like, Jack, you, you got to listen to this one interview I did because I know you got a lot going on and especially in the baseball world. Yeah, but I'm that was one where I was like, Jack, if you do. Or oh, that's where I was. When I, was I was like, Jack, if you, if you have a second, you got to listen to Michael Stefanik, who, by the way, I actually think can help them because he's like David Fletcher in terms of just puts the bat on the ball. It doesn't strike out, but he's got a little bit more juice in there. Uh, and so, yeah, to have that depth there, that's going to help them a lot. And Taylor Ward, as you mentioned, has been a really valuable piece. And this isn't just out of nowhere. He made major adjustments to his swing and was yeah. probably one of the best players in spring training. The Angels are much more balanced than they have been in a long time. And I'm very excited to see what general manager Perry Manassian does uh, to kind of get this team across and push them over the line. So right now, I think they're towing the line of being one of those teams um, and I think, you know, obviously a healthy Mike Trout will help them get across that, but also a move or two could help them with that too. Hey, I always have time to listen to my friend Aram's work. Um, yeah. and, and just something quick on that, you know, deciding to work like three, four jobs at a time uh, and, you know, talking to my girlfriend that lives in Milwaukee and I'm in Indy, I just decided to kind of punt social life and I'm super happy about it because I kind of love just having time to myself on like a Tuesday night at 10 PM or a Friday at 10 PM. I come home, I go to bed, I wake up, I do, I do the same thing on Saturday. I I don't hate it. Baseball, baseball is a great excuse to be antisocial. I kind of love it. So there we go. Um, I want to stick on the mound for just one quick second, because you mentioned Syndergaard and Otani. Otani has not had, you know, sprinting out of the gate start to the 2022 season, but Syndergaard has, and Syndergaard is doing it in an unorthodox way for him. Because when you see Thor, you expect 100-mile-an-hour fastballs, you expect a ton of strikeouts, and if there's going to be a weakness, he's not going to throw strikes. Syndergaard so far this year, in three starts, has thrown 17 innings. He's only walked four guys. He's only struck out 11 guys, but he's only allowed four earned runs. He is damage control wizardry right now. Ground balls, soft fly balls, soft contact in general. Syndergaard is a new pitcher after this massive hiatus for him. And I love this next chapter of Thor's career. And it's sustainable, right? It's like, instead of just, again, we talk about Copic and being a pitcher versus a thrower, 
Syndergaard's now more of that pitcher. One, it's going to help elongate his career. And two, it's just a, a more, it's a safer, more well-rounded approach to just being consistent on the mound. Uh, but don't be mistaken. Like when, when Syndergaard needs to reach back, he can still do that. When he needs to put a little bit more and get those swings and misses, he can still do that. And also on the Otani point, surface level, not great, but I really like what I've seen from him on the bump too phasing out some of the pitches that were not as good for him. The cutter. Uh, the cutter. Uh, and also just the command has been really solid so far. I mean, he's walking about 2.5 per nine, which is better than we've seen. The, the six perfect innings at one point where he also had two hits and just looked, would have been the best game of all time. Um, he looks good on the mound, and I think he's going to continue to be better for them. Uh, the, the big X factor for the Angels has got to be Reed Detmers, and you know, we'll see how he does. He doesn't look strong right now. Um, I'll actually counter that and say, I think the biggest X factor is Michael Lorenzen. And I think Lorenzen looks really strong right now. That would be nice if Lorenzen, because that was one I, I listened back in one of our episodes and I was talking about how I like the Lorenzen signing and how, you know, I was hoping that could be the, the X factor for them. He's been a bit Jekyll and Hyde. You know, it, you see flashes, you're like, Ooh, and then you see some flashes, you're like, Oh no. Uh, but I think he can put it together. And again, yeah, that's a guy that will, will be a Swiss army knife for them. and could be very valuable. And his stuff looks lively. The NL East is fascinating right now. The Mets at 11 and five. We just did 45 minutes with Ryan Finkelstein last week on the Mets. Yeah. And not much has changed since then. So you can go back and listen to that whole episode if you want Mets. But Miami's at seven and eight. Atlanta is seven and 10. Philly's six and nine. Those are two teams that are massively underperforming right now. What's the deal with Atlanta? No, I think it's just a little bit of a World Series hangover, right? I mean, World Series hangover, plus you lost your, your captain in your face of the franchise. Yeah, but Matt Olson's a top 10 hitter in baseball right now. Correct. I don't think, I don't see it as much as a, as a on the field thing, really. I, I don't see the team having any major issues. It, it, that might just be wrong on my end. I mean, they're a little bit offensively inconsistent, but the pitching's been fine overall. The, you know, again, they've had some blow up outings. I think the bullpen hasn't been this force that we were expecting it to be, but I think it will settle into it. Ian Anderson struggles, I think has really hurt them in the early going. But other than that, it's just really guys like Waskari, Noah, Charlie yeah. Morton, Ian Anderson, not being the guys that they're capable of being in the early going. And that's why you lose three, four games because of those guys having blow up starts out of the gate and it looks a lot worse than it really is. But to me, I think they look fine. Olsen has been phenomenal. As you mentioned the, the rest of the offense looks pretty good overall. Uh, it's just been inconsistent uh, from inconsistency from the rotation, but I'm not worried about it because all of those aforementioned players are going to be just fine. And you know, who looks phenomenal, who I actually, by the time people are listening to this, there's a whole piece of me breaking down what he has put together on the mound and what he has changed. Kyle, Wright. Is a bona fide starter and a bona fide legit starter. I'm sold already. Three starts, I'm sold because I've watched every pitch now. I've broken down the changes he's made to his arsenal, the changes he's made to his stuff and his pitch usage, all the way in on what Kyle Wright is doing. And this isn't some no name guy. This is a former fifth overall pick out of Vanderbilt, top 100 prospect that finally figured it all out at 26. That's why I'm not worried about the Braves. Okay. So I got down to Lexington, Kentucky on Friday night. Um, and I, I visited Clay Snowden, who is one of our all-star just baseball writers. And we went to Vandy at UK and Vandy, no hit UK. That was um, cool. Eric McIlvain or yeah. Is it Eric? All I know is it's McIlvain. It's yes. McIlvain and um, Little, Christian Little. Christian Little. Little was electric, but McIlvain, he's their Friday night guy. Uh, McIlvain had the same delivery as Walker Bueller, who had the same delivery as Carson Fulmer, who had the same delivery as Kyle Wright who like had a slightly sped up version of Tyler Beatty's delivery. I think they just kind of pumped that out and they're like, you know what? This worked for Sonny Gray. Let's make all of you look like Sonny Gray. Yeah. And it's funny. Some guys just, you know, never really put it together at the, at the, at the professional and big league level. And we saw that with Carson Fulmer and some of these other guys that just were not it. Kyle Wright has really figured it out. Uh, and again, has figured himself out. And that's what, that's what I love. I also was really impressed from Bryce Elder. Uh, on Sunday, I thought Elder was incredibly impressive, uh, and that's another helpful piece for them. Again, I think the bullpen's going to be just fine, and I think Charlie Morton and Ian Anderson are going to be just fine. That's why I'm not worried about the Braves. They're still the team to beat for me, or one of the teams to beat uh, in the National League. Chris McIlvain at Vandy, seven no-hit innings, and then Christian Little finished the job. 
Um, we are just getting rolling with Aaron Nola's start. He's through a scoreless inning, I do want to say, um, but he did walk somebody. Um, I'm worried about Nola and Wheeler. I'm worried about the Phillies pitching because the Phillies pitching needs to be good with the offense that is going to be boomer bust all 162 and a defense that we know is going to be bust all 162. You know, yeah, I, I'm worried about the Phillies. I don't know if I'm necessarily worried about Nola and Wheeler. I'm the, the thing for me is just if they're not elite, then the Phillies are in trouble. So like, I think Nola and Wheeler individually could be fine. But if, if they're like pretty good, the Phillies are screwed. Yeah. <laughs> like they're screwed. Cause all that, all, the only other guy they really have is Kyle Gibson. They have not gotten much out of their other pieces so far. Uh, and, and we know the defense isn't going to help them. I, I don't think the Phillies are a legitimate contender as much as I thought they would be going into the year uh, yeah. because of the fact that you know, their, their holes are just as, as visible as they're ever. Huge. And, and you can really see it. I watched it in that Marlins series following that closely. If they're not hitting and like really hitting, they're not going to win ball games. And the problem is it's just when you have a lot of guys that are, are all or nothing type of approach, you need home runs, you know, they're not stringing together base hits. You're going to have games where the offense goes cold and it just doesn't seem like the Phillies have a, a way to win those kinds of games. Yeah. The top performer uh, in the NL East to this point, I'd say, aside from the Mets, is Miami. And you just you did just mention Bryce Elder. Um, Lazardo looked great matching him in Atlanta. Tell me about what you saw from Lazardo and tell me about what you're seeing from the Marlins staff. Man, I can't wait to get Jesus back on the podcast, um, you know, whenever he's willing to come back on the JB show, because, you know, one, he's a great interview. But two, you know, he told us about all the stuff he was working on. He told us about his focus. He sounded extremely focused. I know we all were sold after talking to him. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's just really cool to see him executed on the mound. The command is better. And this is it a is. dude that was a for like four straight years was a top 100 prospect, uh, was called up straight away to pitch in the postseason and succeeded uh, in limited postseason experience. But they threw him right in there at the Oakland A's to, to pitch in the postseason. He is commanding his stuff. He's sitting 97 to 99 with the fastball. And he's also figured out how to utilize his pitches better. You know what also stood out to me uh, very much so is Jacob Stallings. And Jacob Stallings has not hit well, but Jesus Lazardo had so much confidence that one Stallings would block pitches when he would spike that curveball because Lazardo's curveball was one of the best in, in, in the big leagues. If you look at whiff percentage, if you look at uh, opponent batting average, slugging, whatever you look at, 11 whiffs on 25 swings today on that curveball and Lazardo was hesitant to throw it last year because of his catchers just not being. I mean, the Marlins led the league in pass balls last year. How could you trust to spike that curveball when your catchers lead the league in pass balls? So that's big. Stealing strikes from the bottom of the zone. Lazardo looks phenomenal, and and I'm very sold on on what we've seen from him in the early going. 18 whiffs today against a very good Braves lineup that's already seen him a few times. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, and I'm just looking at zone percentage. Uh, and Jesus Lazardo is at the best clip of his career. So he's, it's not a coincidence. There we go. Yeah. And he looks easy. confident. Talk about confidence on the mound. He looks confident. Look, I, I'm, I'm a little bit of a homer, obviously, but I think the, I, I want to ask you, I'm going to put it on you. Is your outlook on the Marlins shifted at all? I'm not saying you have to tell me they're a playoff team, but are, are, are they better than you thought they would be, or have you not seen enough? I mean, we're talking about teams two weeks into a season here, but have you seen enough to say the Marlins could be better than you thought? So with the pitching, I'm already sold. We were saying that they were a top 10 rotation in baseball. I'm already sold to the point where I'm ready to consider the Miami Marlins a top five rotation in baseball because mm -hmm. they're deep, they're electric, and I just watched Max Meyer strike out Ronald Acuna Jr. on three pitches. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. a Jacksonville jumbo shrimp right now, but like he's going to be a Marlin in due time. Um, I, I think what Lazardo is doing is massive and, and they needed another name to step up for me to break them from top 10 to top five. And it was Lazardo because we know the raw stuff that Lazardo had. He was a hundred with great breaking stuff, but there are a decent amount of guys that are a hundred with great breaking stuff. So you got to see him become a pro. You got to see him become an MLB pitcher that knows how to pitch, that knows how to massage at bats to his advantage. And that's what he has shown through his first couple of starts. Sandy, Sandy, 
I'm buying the dip in Trevor Rogers, yeah. I guess. Like, I don't yeah. really care. I was going to say, how about this? What if I told you through 14 games of the season uh, that the Marlins would have a starting rotation ERA of 3.37? You'd probably say, oh, yeah, yeah, I expect that. But Trevor Rogers would have a 6.94 ERA through his first three starts, and that would still be the team's ERA for their starting pitchers. I mean, that, that's outrageous. I think Pablo Lopez is exceptional. He's, he's, he's mastered who he wants to be too, right? This is a guy that's never going to be wipe you away with a breaking ball. It's fastball change up and a breaking ball that he'll mix in as the third pitch, but he's mastered who he wants to be and really the fastball command. And he has been arguably as good as anybody in baseball, him and Kyle, Wright have been as good as anybody in baseball. And dude, on this podcast all the time, we talk about how baseball is cyclical. All of a sudden what Pablo Lopez does is a taste breaker. It works against the grain. So you see all these guys that are hard and harder. And then you see Pablo Lopez and he's the unorthodox one. Yep. Five years ago, it was hard and harder. That was the unorthodox thing. It was the outlier. Now Pablo Lopez is the outlier. This is all working in his favor right now. I love it. And and, I mean, as long as he's healthy, he's got to be one of the best quote unquote number threes in baseball. Uh, It's not necessarily close. I think. Yeah. Uh, NL Central Brewers are nine and six. They're a half game back of the Cardinals. The Cardinals bats are crazy good right now. You mentioned Tommy Edmond. Nolan Arenado is on fire at the moment. Um, The Cardinals, it's the offense and you still have pitching concerns, but the pitching has been fine so far and the bullpen has been really good so far. With Milwaukee, they had a really bad start starting pitching wise. They're getting better now. And it, it feels like the water's evening out for them at the moment. And Yelich hit a grand slam. Okay. Yelich has been underwhelming. If one of them was going to bounce back, I would have put my mortgage on Christian Yelich, but it turns out to be Cody Bellinger. So, oh, well, um, but <laughs> Milwaukee and their ability to fight through a rough start to the year has been pretty impressive. And here's the thing. They're kind of built to do that, right? I mean, I'm still concerned about the offense. I'm going to be concerned about a team that has an 84 WRC plus and has a 209, 288, 340 slash line. I'm going to be concerned about that kind of team. But like you said, to do that out of the gate and weather the storm and be nine and six, and not to mention, not only weather the storm with that kind of offensive start, with Brandon Woodruff losing you games through the first two starts and now looked really good in that third start uh, and now is settling in. Corbin Burns looks like he's settling back in. The bullpen is always going to be good. This team will find a way to win ball games. I still think they need to go out and get a bat. Um, and I'm very interested to see how they go about that. Uh, but I mean, to, to be nine and six, given how things started for them, I think it's a testament to how when you have a bullpen like they do, you have a rotation like they do. There's just always going to hang around, even when things aren't going great. They will always be able to weather the storm. But we're not talking about the Brewers weathering the storm. They've done enough of that. We're talking about the Brewers trying to win you know, a pennant. And, and how can they do, do that? They need more offense if they're going to do it. And I think it's, it's clear now that Christian Yelich may not be able to totally recapture the MVP Yelich form. We you can give totally, you a one, I say not even close. I, I'm hoping a 120 WRC plus. Like if it, and, and I think we got to start thinking about DH and Yelich and, and maybe going that route and, and seeing how that does, you know, for him and yeah. whether that helps him because they need to start experimenting a little bit, but at the end of the day, Rowdy Telez cannot be your best offensive piece. It no. just can't be that way. God, no. Um, the Cubs. So the starting pitching, that was, you know, the thing that you circled and you said, this is going to suck and they're going to lose a ton of games because of the starting pitching. Kyle Hendricks has been actually pretty solid. He's got a four ERA right now through four starts. He struck out 19 guys in 20 and a third innings of work. I'm stunned by that, but you know what? I digress. Uh, Justin Steele looked strong at first, and then he had a couple of bad starts. Drew Smiley has been good through three starts. Marcus Stroman looks terrible. He's got a nine ERA. He doesn't (laughs) look good at all. There is one guy that jumps out, hasn't made a start yet. He's a long reliever. Keegan Thompson. What do you think of this guy right now? If you've seen him at all, because Keegan Thompson is, uh, he, he looks actually very good. I mean, Keegan Thompson, you know, I never would have expected this. No, never in a million years. But like Keegan Thompson came out of nowhere. And now he looks like he could be a very solid starting pitcher option for them. 
but he's been extremely respectable through his minor league career, uh, if I remember correctly. And, and also a guy that, you know, again, wasn't a nobody. I'm pretty sure was drafted relatively early. Uh, but another one of those guys that after years and years of pitching in the minors and up and down in the majors, what, what did he make his day? De- he made his debut in 2021. Yeah. You know, just kind of figuring out how he can be the best version of himself. And I think Kenyon Thompson's kind of figured that out. I don't think he should be stretched out as a starter. I think if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of keep using him in that role where you can stretch him out for a couple innings in relief. Uh, maybe use him as an opener. I'm more worried because he doesn't have that true plus pitch. He's more pitchability guy that you get through the lineup a couple times. He may might start teeing off, but still a huge, huge addition, or I guess just piece for them to be able to be doing what he is doing. And then also just the bullpen pieces have been way better than I think anybody thought you, you look at Rowan Michael Gibbons. Yeah, Michael Gibbons, Rowan Wick, David Robertson. Uh, all of these guys have been pretty decent, uh, but Stroman's going to be fine. I'm not worried about Stroman. I really am yeah. not. Um, and look, the rotation's not as disastrous as I thought it would be out of the gate, but I'm going to need to see them go through that rotation about four times before I'm sold on that. I'm sorry. They still got to get Wade Miley back, baby. They're so oh, yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. Um, real quick, let's go lightning round, like factor fluke on some of their hitters because a lot of their hitters are having really strong starts of the year. Seiya Suzuki is not going to hit 354 with a 1200 OPS, but do you think he is a fact or a fluke? He's a fact. I mean, I mean, like he he's just he's just built to play baseball. He knows ex- his approach is so advanced. Uh, Again, like he, he he already figured it out in Japan, and it translates over here. Yeah, through 15 games, Ian Happ is hitting 333 with a 900 OPS. Is that a fact or is that a fluke? Nah, I'm I'm gonna say fluke on that. Me one. too. I'm gonna say fluke on that one. Again, remember they've played the, the Pirates quite a bit, and, and the stats <laughs> are gonna be padded a little bit by that by that 21 zip victory. Correct. Nico Horner through 15 games is hitting 327, and he provides great defense everywhere he is. I genuinely think that Nico Horner is a good baseball player. And I think when Angelton Simmons gets healthy, I don't think it matters. I think Simmons should be the third middle infielder. I think Nico Horner should be your starting shortstop. Exactly. So I'm going to say cautious facts, right? Like he's not going to do this. Um, He's, he's not going to be a 133 WRC plus guy. I think he's going to be a 110 to 115. uh, If he really is continuing to, to be the offensive piece, he can be the guy that crushes lefties. I think they're going to put him in situations for success. Uh, I think he's a legitimately good big league piece. You can talk about the defensive value fact that he is going to be a good contributor for this team. Uh, But, you know, I think he'll regress a little bit naturally. hundred percent. And then last one, Jonathan VR is hitting 340 through 12 games. Okay. Fluke, obviously, but fact that again, good big league piece. He is, he just is. He's a good big league piece. You think he's a better third base option than Patrick wisdom? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, like, I think wisdom caught lightning in a bottle last year. It, you look at what VR did in 142 games last year. He's a 2.5 F4 guy, a uh, switch hitter plus speed can play all over the diamond. They needed a guy like that badly. And, and I, I think he's going to be a good piece for them as well. Interesting. All right. Let's wrap with the NL West. Dodgers are 10 and four. San Francisco is 11 and five. Colorado is 10 and five. San Diego is 10 and six. The NL West has four of the seven 10 win teams in major league baseball right now. Um, One of them is not like the other Colorado. Let's get them out of the way right now. They extended Kyle Freeland. I didn't really understand that one, but I guess Freeland is a homegrown boy that, that wanted to be there and he was financially compensated. So hooray for Kyle Freeland. Um, I think, I think the Rockies know what they're doing in terms of roster construction right now. And that caught everybody by surprise. Yeah, it is pretty wild, right? I mean, to see that the Rockies kind of have a semblance of of a plan. We thought they were idiots. We thought they had no plan, and that's why we latched onto them. That's why we're all on the Rockies bandwagon, because we were like, okay, you suck. And then you just paid $200 million to Chris Bryant, but now the lineup looks well, good. Well, mind you this, Jeff British is gone, right? This is Bill Schmidt's team. Yeah, and Bill Schmidt's doing a good job so far. Yes. Um, he's doing a good job so far. They gave him a little bit of money to spend, uh, and and you know he spent it well. I mean, all the pieces that they've added have been good. Uh, the pieces that they believed in or extended have been good. Uh, and yeah, when I when I see somebody like Kyle Freeland get extended, he's been bad to start the year. 
It's just guys that they know have the ability to pitch a course. They want to hold on to those guys, which is why it was surprising to see John Gray go. And I think there's more to that that maybe we don't know about. Uh, but but Chad Cool has been fine for them, too. He's been really solid. And I, I think that what the Rockies have gotten better at is is identifying the kinds of pitchers that can survive at altitude. And they're doing that. So that means that they might be able to pick up guys that might not be valued by other teams, like an Austin Gomber, and look at him and say, hey, that guy's stuff will actually play a course, and, and we need that. We don't need him to be a, a 2, 5, or 3 ERA guy. If he's a 4.2 ERA guy at course, that's extremely valuable. And, and they've done a good job of finding those guys. And then offensively, same thing, identifying the CJ Crones of the world that can hit uh, and see their stuff tick up at course. And, and that's exactly what's happening. Yeah, L.A. and San Francisco are just good. We know that. Yeah. San Diego, Manny Machado is playing out of his mind right now. Uh, and you've got other guys that are filling the holes really well. Jerickson Profar is having a great start to the year. Eric Hosmer looks like he's bouncing back just fine. And then Azokar looks good, too. Like, the offense is, is super... Um, it feels like a placeholder, obviously, until Fernando Tatis Jr. comes back. But it feels like this is a pretty good incomplete lineup at the moment and they can survive. This team's good. I, I I'm very, I'm very in on the Padres making a run at, at maybe that second spot in the NOS and, and at the wild card. And I think this team's really solid. Um, the, the offense you talked about, they're going to add maybe one of the most potent bat, not maybe the one of the most potent bats in baseball and Fernando Tatis Jr. Once he's back, uh, which instantly invigorates you know your ball club the the rotation is good and i think it's going to continue to get better mackenzie gore being able to help them is is great news i'm all the way in on on the padres i'm not saying that means that they're going to beat out the two other teams you mentioned but i think they're going to give them a legitimate run for their money um and and i really like the way this team is built i think this is the best version of the padres we've seen in a little while gore's been great through two starts my dark horse scion candidate, Joe Musgrove, uh, through three starts, has a sub two ERA, 19 innings, 21 punch outs, one walk issued. With that electric of stuff, the way his fastball and his slider are jumping out of his hand right now, with one walk through 19 innings, sign me all the way up for that. And Sean Manaya looks good. Yeah. Uh, and Darvish is Darvish. Darvish is fine. I, I, and Lamette's been good in the, in the reliever role. Yeah. I, I love what we're seeing from the pitching side of things. And, and, you know, once Snell gets back, that rotation's up there with anybody's. You see Ray Kerr got up? Oh, he came up finally? He got up. Let's go. Ray Kerr's nasty. How'd he do? I didn't see it. He was good. Scoreless inning. Did he hit 100? Uh, I don't know. He came over, for those wondering, in that Adam Frazier deal from the Mariners. Ray Kerr is nasty. Lefty, triple digits from the left side. Uh, again, another bullpen arm. This team is good. It was, a, it was a we fucked up deal and, and they got a hundred from the left side in a we fucked up deal. That's great. Yeah, I'm in. I, I was shocked that they did that, but and I, was, I, was, I was shocked that they did it. And I was shocked that they got what they got. So good, a good, Hey, we messed up. Let's uh, try and salvage it. Not bad. Does Preller lead the league in we fucked up deals? Well, I, I admire the, the ability to just say, Hey, you know, let's take our lumps and just get what we can get back while we can. Um, so probably, uh, but I think a lot of GMs could take a take a page out of that book from Prowler, at least in that regard. Yeah, hundred percent. I that year one, it always jumps out to me when he when he signed both Uptons and he got Kimbrel and he got Matt Kemp. I was like, wow, you just screwed up and decided that that never happened. Yeah, just undid it all. I, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you just just screw it. Too funny. It's your state of Major League Baseball, man. Um, you're going to hear about our friends at Loop. They got some good stuff going on this week. Tomorrow, we're also, again, going to give you uh, that interview with Angels farmhand Michael Stefanik, who is knocking on the door of Angels Stadium right now. They're, he's asking the security guard to let him in, and it's like, I don't see a pass. And he's yeah. like, well, Joe Madden's on the way. Like, Give him 10 minutes. He's finishing something up in his office right now. That's how close he is. And from where he was as an 18-year-old, as a 22-year-old, as a 24-year-old, uh, it is unbelievable that he's at the position, that he's in the position that he's currently in at the moment. And really cool, I, I don't think I've really spoken to a player or interviewed a player that can so eloquently explain their thoughts. He's a, he would be a great teacher is kind of the best way to put it because he knows how to 
kind of put things in, into terms and and explain what he feels and things at the plate and and kind of translate that into layman's terms. It was really impressive all the way around. And I think you're going to come away one of fan of Michael Stefanik, but two knowing a little bit more about just the game as a whole, because uh, I felt that way even too. Yeah, 100%. We got a bunch of good pitching matchups tonight, too. We got Evaldi and Barrios at 7 o'clock in Rogers Center, which is going to be – I'll be tuned into that. I will oh, yeah. absolutely be tuned into that. Our Rockies are sending newly extended Kyle Freeland to the mound in uh, in Philly to take on Kyle Gibson. You got Scherzer going to the rubber in St. Louis. Um, you've got Bieber and Lorenzen in Anaheim. Ooh. And then you've got Walker Bueller and Merrill freaking Kelly uh, as the late game. That's the one thing we didn't talk about the D-backs. Like they're not good, but Merrill Kelly, start paying attention. He, he's a legitimate big league starter. Here we go. All right. We will uh, talk to you tomorrow, guys. Thank you. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands. And are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.